Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast. This is Carrie Kempakis, your host. My plan was to launch this podcast with a solid lineup of Girl Mom Challenges, but around the time of the planned release, our country got hit by a terrible pandemic called the coronavirus. Since we're all home for a while and looking for ways to connect and wrap our minds around this strange and unprecedented event, I decided to go ahead and launch this podcast with a special season dedicated to this challenge we're currently facing. So grab your spouse, your kids, or anyone you're sheltering with and join me for this conversation about being homebound both physically and spiritually. Thanks in advance for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. I once attended the funeral of a man who lost his life to terminal cancer. He had a very strong faith, and though his family was heartbroken, they had peace about where he'd gone. They also had peace about the timing of his death because they knew they'd been handed a gift. In fact, that was his son's message as he gave the eulogy at the funeral. Essentially, his son said, When we found out about Dad's diagnosis, that the end was imminently near, we were devastated. But then my friend, Philip, who lost his father years beforehand, shared a different perspective. You see, Philip's father died suddenly and without any warning. And what he told me was this, Shane, you've been given a gift. You've been given the gift of time with your dad. From that moment on, the son's outlook changed. Instead of living like his dad was already gone, they made the most of the time they had left. They gathered together as a family as often as possible. They mended fences. They offered forgiveness. And they embraced each other with love. And when the time came for his father's departure, they could rejoice and feel peace because there was nothing left unsaid. No regrets in how they'd spent their unexpected gift of time. If you are listening today, you too have probably been given an unexpected gift of time. You may be in a state of shock or disbelief of the news that we've been handed about the pandemic coronavirus. Here in America, our comforts and securities have been threatened and in some cases ripped out from under us. None of us know yet what the collateral damage will be. And while we don't want to be all doom and gloom, we have to be realistic about what may be coming. For the first time ever, our generation is feeling what our ancestors probably felt during times of war and civil unrest. We are scared and worried about our families, our communities, our country, and our economy. This invisible war feels like something from a weird, grossly exaggerated Hollywood movie. And what's really odd is we don't have any prior experiences that could have prepared us for this physically, mentally, or emotionally. And though we can't predict the future, we do know that things will get worse before they start to get better. Given this, it's perfectly understandable why we want to panic, stock up, and watch the news nonstop. The most basic human instinct is self-preservation, and in times of uncertainty, that instinct amps up. Like most parents, I've made panic runs to the grocery store and the pharmacy, and I felt my anxiety rise as I saw the empty shelves of basic goods like eggs, milk, and vitamin C. I have found myself tearing Clorox wipes in half to make them last longer, and walking through Target thinking like Little House on the Prairie, asking myself what we'd need at the most basic level. In the first few days of this crisis, my mind was consumed with fear and restless thinking. I spent hours and hours online reading articles to stay informed, and I realized that if it was just me and my husband, my fears might feel manageable. But with four kids and older family members who we love dearly, I felt a bigger fear and sense of responsibility. Over those first few days, my mind eventually got so cloudy that I could barely form a thought. And it was then, in that anxious confusion, that I started to remember how the enemy is at work. The enemy wants us to feel hopeless, powerless, discouraged, and lost. He wants to lead our minds to dark and dismal places without a single ray of hope. 
Most of all, he wants to separate us from God and make us doubt his goodness in the very season we need him most. One of my favorite Bible verses is 1 Corinthians 14.33, and it applies to the coronavirus because it tells us how our God is not a God of confusion or disorder, but rather a God of peace. While the enemy wants us to panic and to make bad decisions as we look out for ourselves and grow increasingly selfish and self-centered, God calls us to think bigger. He calls us to unite as we fight this virus. He wants us to be rich in our relationships in the midst of adversity, even if those relationships require isolation, social distancing, and creative new ways to connect through technology. God did not create the coronavirus that is shutting down society because He is a good God who loves us and works all things together for good for those who love Him. But He is allowing this virus to happen because we live in a broken, sinful, imperfect, and often dark world that is not our final home. We were made for heaven, and only in heaven will we feel perfect peace and happiness and enjoy the paradise of no pain, no sorrow, and no suffering. Yet here we are, alive today for such a time as this. And what I keep asking myself as the news of this virus gets more and more alarming is, God, what do you want us to learn? Who do you want us to be when this invisible war is over? How can we make the most of our time on earth, knowing that even if this virus takes us out, we've served you to the very end? How can we be realistic yet optimistic, knowing that no matter what happens, we have the gift of eternal life with you? Already, I feel myself becoming a better person because of this virus, and my fear is that if things do go back to normal, I'll go back to where I started before life got weird. I don't want that because as much as I hate this pandemic, I'm also aware of how it's changing my heart and my soul in much-needed ways. Recent events have made me more compassionate, more humble, and more aware of the habits and mindsets I need to change. I've grown more grateful for the small blessings in life that I typically take for granted. I'm reminded of how small we all are in the grand scheme of God's story, and though it shatters my heart to see the suffering this virus is inflicting, there's also a part of me that knows how a crisis of this magnitude could be a wake-up call for our country. I know I'm not alone in thinking this because for years I've had countless conversations with moms who also see what is clearly wrong with the culture that's been shaping us and our kids. We see the ridiculous amount of time, energy, and money that gets poured into things with no eternal value. How we operate as Americans and prioritize our lives when life is normal is not how we're meant to live. And rather than live with community mindsets, we live with individualistic mindsets that keep us on a hamster wheel of productivity and self-gratification. This robs us of joy, depletes our energy, leaves us little time for meaningful connection, makes us selfish with the time we have, numbs us to the beauty of life, and creates all kinds of stress and anxiety that we try to fix or escape by turning to alcohol, vacations, therapy dogs, weighted blankets, CBD oils, or anything else that can temporarily give us peace of mind and calm our restless hearts. There's a saying that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, and I think that's his M.O. for our generation. Because when families stay super busy, everyone runs in different directions. Family time starts to feel awkward because being together is foreign and rare. As mom and dad play divide and conquer, working hard all day and then getting everyone where they need to be, they're exhausted when they meet back up. They run on fumes and collapse into bed at night, hoping that tomorrow may be different. The kids, meanwhile, can escape to social media when they're bored or crave connection. And with a constant stream of new material and TikTok videos to watch, it's hard for them to break free from the digital draw. The coronavirus, however, has pulled the plug on normal life. It's a reset that's given us time to think, reflect, and re-examine our lives. And while we can't deny the potential harm of this virus, we can look for the silver linings and find blessings to be grateful for, 
even in the darkness. If we aren't grateful, we'll get bitter, and then we're no good to anyone. This situation has blindsided us all, and no one feels it harder than the men and women on the front line. There are so many people who need our prayers, most of all, those who are sick, suffering, and dying, as well as the healthcare workers, food providers, community and world leaders, and spiritual leaders shepherding us through unprecedented times. And while it's tempting to stay online all day, clicking and scrolling to see every single update, I learned firsthand how that isn't good for the psyche. That isn't the way that I want to spend my time in the quarantine. More than anything, I want to enjoy this gift of time with my family. With three teenage daughters and one preteen not far behind, I have very little time left with my children all under one roof. I've cried over the changes that I know are coming, and though life right now is far from ideal, I know this time is a gift. God willing, if we are able to look back on this time 20 or 30 years from now, I hope we'll see the good that emerged as we were forced to slow down, reconnect with our families, build new habits, talk about life's big questions, and most importantly, deepen and renew our faith. Already, my family has benefited from living life with the pressure off. We've taken walks, watched movies, played tennis, baked cakes, created art, made TikTok videos, taken online dance classes and guitar lessons, and laughed a ton. My dog is getting more walks than she's had in the past year, and my 15-year-old is getting drive time on all the empty roads. I'm thankful for a lot, especially the technology that allows us to stay connected, work from home, and go to church via live stream. Still, there are so many things that I miss, like hugs, freedom, seeing my friends and chatting with moms for five minutes at pickup, going to the gym, and even driving carpool with a carload of girls. Yet what I don't miss is the rush of normal American life. I wouldn't trade this time that we've had to pray as a family and have deep conversations about life, death, and making personal sacrifices for the greater good. I pray this virus is short-lived and that it changes us for the better. I pray that God uses this time to strengthen families and heal broken relationships. Sometimes just being in the same place without the stress of a packed, tight schedule is a real starting point for connection. Even with my husband, some tensions we'd had lately caused by too little time together and too many demands on both of us have dissipated and made us mindful of how busyness and distraction can undermine the family unit. The enemy wants us to waste this time with our families. Nothing would thrill him more than to see us live in fear, constantly be annoyed by the people we're stuck with, and fall into a new routine of choosing digital distractions over family time. With businesses and life going online, we have to be careful and intentional with where we invest our time. The same technology that makes staying at home possible in the first place can undermine our family connections if we don't prioritize our people first. A close friend of mine from high school has always said that love grows best in little homes. Growing up, she said she and her brother had to watch TV together because they only had one TV in the house. They were constantly in close quarters, and this forced them to get along and learn how to work through conflict. I believe one reason why families today aren't always as close as families in the past is because we're not forced into close proximity. We have bigger homes, more toys, and more ways to stay preoccupied. And while personal space is definitely good and necessary, it's not good for a family when everyone always retreats to their space. There's much to be said for communal living and interdependent lives that require compromise, sharing, and sacrifice. So if your house is feeling small these days, or if everyone is on top of each other, I hope this offers some perspective. Even if your kids complain, even if they fight and can't agree on what game to play or what show to watch or what cinnamon rolls they want from the grocery store, they're learning basic life skills that will serve them well in the future. They're learning how to be part of a community where every opinion matters and every voice deserves to be heard. 
So hang in there, stay strong, wash your hands, and embrace this unexpected gift of uninterrupted time. Despite losing some freedoms that we're normally used to, we still have the freedom to choose what happens inside our homes. We can create a climate of love, joy, forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope, all while doing our part to protect our most vulnerable neighbors. One day, when we look back and reflect on this time, we'll either feel peace or regret. And while we may wish we'd spent more time with our children and hunkered down like we've been asked to do, we won't wish we'd spent more time on the internet or running to Publix to hoard chicken and toilet paper. Kids grow up fast, and believe it or not, they want quality time with their parents. They want to see us enjoying them, listening to their stories, laughing at their jokes, watching movies of their choice, playing basketball with them, or just helping with a puzzle or craft project. Rather than feel powerless and stuck as we grieve this nightmare that's changing society, we can use this time to help flatten the curve and strengthen our faith and family units, focusing on what matters most, our relationship with Christ and our relationship with each other, so that no matter what happens externally, we can live at peace with ourselves internally because of how we've chosen to respond. I'd like to close with a prayer for you and your loved ones. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the breath in our lungs and the mercies you send our way. I ask for your special blessing on each listener and their family. Fill them with your spirit and be present in their homes. When tensions, irritations, and anxieties run high, grant them the peace that surpasses all understanding. Give them the wisdom to work through differences, the courage to seek forgiveness, the love to see the good in every family member, and the strength to find solidarity. Lord, we ask for your protection against the enemy. We can't fight this invisible war without you, and we need your grace, discernment, and armor. Keep your hand on our nation and our leaders. Rescue us from affliction and economic collapse, and transform our hearts and minds so that we embody Christ. Be with our healthcare workers, keep them safe as they work and rest, and deliver the resources they need. We pray this virus will be short-lived, that lives will be spared, that the sick will be healed, that people will listen to authorities, and that leaders will make wise, bold, and necessary decisions. Cultivate in us a grateful spirit that shines light in the darkness and allows us to become a source of strength, vision, and hope. We thank you, God, for eternal life and the hope of Jesus that sustains us when life feels impossible. Help us stand on your promises and trust you as you walk before us and with us into the unknown battle ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and I consider it a real privilege that you shared some time with me. I hope to do more podcasts during this quarantine. So if you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen, and leave a ratings review to help others find it. To share ideas for future episodes, message me on Instagram or Facebook. In the meantime, stay well and know that I'm thinking about you as we fight this national crisis.